<laughs> hey, everybody. Hi, guys. Well, from London in one part of the world and Salt Lake City in another part of the world, it's Thank God I'm Atheist, the podcast. I'm Frank. And I'm Dan. Coming up on today's episode, Dan uh, talks to the third highest ranking official in the Church of England. Well done, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. It was a good get. <laughs> that's, uh, I can't wait to hear all the the, the whole story behind that. That's, that's pretty awesome. All the juicy details. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, so yeah, so we've got that coming up. We have all of our normal stuff. We're going to hear a fun little audio clip. Well, it's actually not so much fun. It's just good it's just nice it's good yeah sure <laughs> got some nice what's wrong with nice in the world there's nothing wrong with nice in the world i don't think that hurts um, anybody yeah so uh so you you have something kind of kind of fascinating dan i but do you... i'm i'm i it's um so you remember we've mentioned him a couple times on this little podcast of ours one mr alain de Breton. yeah yeah that guy I just like saying it. Yeah, I, I've I've settled in on calling him Alan de Baden though because it it's easier <laughs> for me to remember from yes, day to day. Okay. So, <laughs> so anyway, there there we are. Mister de Baden uh-huh. uh, has has branched out just a little bit from his uh, from his previous ventures as a as as a an atheist who advocates uh, I don't know I guess religious practice in an atheist environment or whatever. He's now advocating more or less. new. Yeah, okay. Yeah, more or less, whatever. So the new thing that he, he's starting <laughs> is uh, porn. <laughs> porn? He's porn. going for porn. <laughs> okay. He wants to do a... He's, 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 set, he's released, done a press release where he uh, he's decided that he wants to uh, create porn... Um, <laughs> That could be harnessed uh, to what is noblest in us. <laughs> what? <laughs> no longer would sexuality have to be lumped together with stupidity, brutishness. Oh, I'm sorry. This needs to be done in a British accent. And since I'm here, I might as well do it. And he does speak with a British accent. Uh-huh. Just, you know. Yeah. No longer would sexuality have to be lumped together with stupidity, brutishness earnestness and exploitation he wrote uh, it could instead be harnessed to what is noblest in us showing kindness or working hard or being clever <laughs> working hard or being clever <laughs> those, that, those are noble pursuits i don't i just don't like just like porn <laughs> <laughs> what kind of porn would this be a uh, better porn <laughs> Is what he's is what he's calling it now. Well, at least now we have a little uh, insight as to what gets uh, Mister Debaden off. Yeah, um, right. Well, porn does just being like the clever. Rest of he just wants a clever woman. That's all. Right. Or man. <laughs> or man. I don't we know don't know his sexuality. But yeah, he's, a, he's <clears throat> a sexual desire would be invited to support rather than permitted to undermine our higher values. <laughs> Wow, all right, cool. Hey, you know what? I support it. I'll totally check out his porn site. It may not be very hot, though. It may not be yeah, very erotic. One, huh? one does wonder about that. The picture that Huffington Post did for this thing, which I don't think has anything to do with his actual... Right, no, they, they'll Mr. post anything to go with it. Yeah. 
is actually a picture of um what's his name? Uh uh Peter Blake, Sir Peter Blake, um who's who's a a uh a British artist, pop artist and he he looks he looks kind of like Freud. He's he's an old guy with a white beard and white hair and bald on top. Okay. Sitting pl- playing chess up across the across the chessboard from a naked lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Smart. So there you go. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> well, um smart uh, smart porn. I I'm into it. Speaking of um um porn, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how this This is uh have you have you did Dan, did you hear about this whole thing um the Mormons, they've been doing some photoshopping. I posted a photoshopped thing on, on the Facebook page that they right. did. Yeah, you did. Well, apparently that's Anyone, not... Any one of the people out there who hasn't seen that is clearly missing out and needs to like us on the Facebook. Yeah, and then you can you can follow us and everything. Um, that's yeah. facebook.com slash Atheist. Um, but um, no, the um, so I posted that one, and that one's, that one's funny, and it's kind of sad because it's, you know, these... Um, <clears throat> African women who are um, standing around and they're all holding pictures of Jesus, the, the very Mormon Jesus portrait, right? And yeah. uh, white, white Jesus, white Jesus, very, w- and they're all smiling, they're all kind of laughing, they're all see, they all seem oh, to be very happy about the picture. Time. Yeah, they are, they are thrilled. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, and then, oh, they weren't really holding pictures of Christ. They. There was an original photo, and <laughs> anyways, so they, they the, just photoshopped in Jesus. They photoshopped in Jesus because that's what they that's what they needed for. Right. This was in their uh, their monthly publication, their their magazine <laughs> called the Enzyme, and uh, just fantastic. Okay, you don't have the photo? Well, Photoshop it. That's what Photoshop's for. Well, um, they also have they they've done it again. Um, this that was not an isolated event. They um they've been altering images of um Carl Heinrich Bloch or Bloch Bloch I don't Who's know that he is a uh, he was a 19th century Danish artist and he did sort of the classic Jesus that um sort of the older Jesus portrait that the that the Mormons used to really love so much ah. right you probably remember that one. Um, but anyways, he did a, he did a whole bunch of Jesus images and, you know, they, they show up everywhere. Um, they show up in meeting houses and members homes, um, and apparently official publications. He wasn't a Mormon. No, 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 he wasn't. Um, wait, what, what, but anyways, era was he do what, what era was he? Uh, 19th century. Um, oh, okay. the, the painting in question that, that, that they've altered that this woman, um, she has a blog, um, uh, doves and serpents is the <laughs> name of the blog. Um, anyways, she, she kind of spotted it and she posted it and she's, she's Mormon and she just, just, she's kind of outraged at sort of the, the, um, obsessed nature that the, 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 the hierarchy of the church has, has started to place on. Um, on, on just sort of the idea of modesty, right? And so oh, um, they took one of his yeah. paintings, and let me actually see if I can. Um, I'm gonna hold this up to the to the camera, Dan, so you can you can get a okay. sense of like what what the thing is. 
Um, oh, yes, please. So here's the original. And you'll notice that the angels in this one have... Uh, they have wings, right? Which is sort of... Oh. Uh, oh, boy. Let me let me see. Is that... Can oh, you see it? yeah. That's nice, right? Oh, that's very lovely. You got yeah. Jesus sort of in his... In the, the Y position from YMCA. <laughs> and you got... Yeah. You got the two lovely angels kneeling uh-huh. at his feet, ready ready to do the other letters yeah, when exactly. the time comes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um but they really they nice. have wings, which Mormons don't uh-huh. uh Mormons don't believe that angels have wings. Um right. and um I want you to notice how immodest these 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 angels are. Can you see that? Um Dan? I d- move it just a little to the right. My right? Uh yeah, right there. Okay. Oh, well, my goodness, her her arm is completely bare. <laughs> That's her arm. Yeah. So I can see her shoulder for crying out loud. So um, this is the uh, modified version of the painting, and it, this appeared in the ensign. <laughs> uh, the wing the wings are gone, and uh, you'll notice that that the that their arms are that they've done sleeve caps. Right. The arms. They are they are now. They, now the angels could be wearing garments. And we <laughs> exactly. Would... <laughs> exactly. They are temple garment um, modest. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, by the way, the word modesty here isn't about um, anything other than, I guess, just not showing too much of your body. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mormon, the... Mormon use of the word modesty is very specific. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's some stuff that you probably didn't see in there. Um, in the original image, um, there, you could kind of see like the, 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 the gar, the, 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 the top that they're wearing is sort of very loose fitting yeah. and you can kind of see yeah. some, un, some exposed skin under the arm and kind of the back a little bit. Right. Well, ooh, in the new ooh, one, they, it's, bad. it's basically like they had them just put a t-shirt on underneath the. <laughs> the top <laughs> which is kind of a standard mormon practice if 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 a if a woman likes a dress but it's just not very <laughs> modest she'll wear a little t-shirt underneath it right so that it right it, even if even if the dress modest. has spaghetti straps on it e- even if the dress is a tank top with spaghetti straps or something like that that's uh she'll put a t-shirt on under it yeah yeah exactly very attractive look and what i love though is that this blogger i just i love this woman because she's she's just kind of so willing to call out um, the church on this, um, she 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 wonders um, why didn't they cover up the resurrected Jesus's nipple? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. That's so awesome. obviously it has to do with female modesty and not so much male modesty. Because yep, there it is. There's a there's a nipple. There's a you know a Jesus what we should nipple. do. Okay, so Frank, I'm going to ask you to post these pictures on the Facebook. Oh yeah, sure. And if any of our uh, enterprising listeners feel a compunction to do so, <laughs> I invite you to download it and Photoshop some garments onto Jesus. Yeah, that's a great idea. Or just I cover up that, that nipple, see... a little pasty, a little or pasty. Just, yeah, would you, pl- you know? put him in something a little more modest? Let's modest <laughs> Jesus up, because frankly, this nobody is get- likes it's getting out of control. Jesus. Nobody likes him Jesus. Needs, Jesus needs to get his shit together. Yeah, he's kind of oh, all man. over the place. Well, and to put some shoes on the guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway. He's, yeah, well, there you I go. I don't know. 
Yeah. Uh, what can he do? Should we get a little more serious? Sure. Get serious, Frank. Okay. Let's be let's be let's be newsy. So here's what I found on uh on CNN.com. Okay. The, the Catholic Archdiocese of of Washington. That's Washington D.C. Okay. The capital of your country. Okay. My country too. When I return. Yes. Uh, the Catholic Archdiocese has apparently just reamed Georgetown University, which is a Catholic university, the oldest Catholic re- university in the country. It just ripped them a new one because they invited a Catholic to speak at one of their events. Oh, what? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> no. What kind uh, of Catholic? Until until you find out that that Was Catholic it... is one Miss Kathleen Sebelius, the U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services. Mm, okay. Um, apparently, they were, I mean, they were, literally, they're having her do the, the speech for uh, the, their, the university's public policy institute. Um, and, uh, she, yeah, they're really upset. And, and the whole thing is about President Obama's mandate that, uh, everybody has to provide, uh, insurance with the, that everybody's insurance has to have, um, oh, what's it? Birth control. Right. So she, they're just furious. Even though he's made the con- he's made concessions so that like religions themselves, ministries specifically, ministries don't have to. They're still furious about it because because their schools don't count as ministries and all of these other things. They mm. said, you know, something along the lines of the she defined ministries so narrowly that only essentially they basically said that only ministries can can get the exemption. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> that's funny. It's ridiculous, but like they're that. they're outraged. Oh no! Because why would a university want the Secretary of Health and Human Services to come and speak? Yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, that kind of sucks. I had uh, at my commencement, I had uh, what what was the dude's name? Um, he was in Bush's administration. He was like, oh, who was he? Crap! I shouldn't have gone down that path. <laughs> what was his name? But anyways, it was like this high-ranking... Uh, I can't come up with his name. I can see his face because he's at the commencement and he's speaking. And like the year prior, it would have been like Terry Tempest Williams, which most right. people outside of Utah won't know who she is. But she's this sort of, you know, environmentalist, poet, author, right. writer, left-leaning, olding, and, aging and- hippie type, right? Um, and then they get this, like the next year it's dude. And I was just like, meh. So yeah, I mean, whatever. (laughs) Commencement. I just think, I just think, you know what? No university should turn down the opportunity to have a high ranking, like a secretary level official come and talk to them. Like this is, this is a get, this is a big deal. (laughs) And and the Catholic church is like, ah, man, screw that lady. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's she likes she wants women to have choices no Burr. that's Burr. wrong well hey dan do you find it hard to yeah. talk to people well no do you do you find it hard to talk to mormons sometimes sometimes well apparently evangelicals have a hard time talking to mormons um there's oh, a bet. there's a new guide 
out um, that's just been published um, yeah. called uh, Talking with Mormons, an Invitation to Evangelicals. <laughs> um, it's by one Mr. Richard J. Mao. tells me they're not inviting Mormons to dinner or, or inviting Mormons to parties. What's this invitation? I'm playing off of the invitation thing. Well, talking look, to them. You look so confused. It's about talking yeah. to them. You're supposed yeah, to. Okay. That he's inviting you to talk to them. Yeah. Well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, um, he says uh, we've often seriously misrepresented the beliefs and practices of members of the LDS faith, meaning we evangelicals. Um, it's a terrible mm. thing to bear false witness. Okay. Oh, uh, and he said yeah. this um, at the Mormon Tabernacle in November 2004. Um, and for the last so uh, so many years, he has been working on trying to figure out how to get his fellow evangelicals to appreciate sort of the conversations that they could have with Mormons, but also um, appreciating the fact that, and this is where he gets very non-evangelical <laughs> about it. Um, <laughs> he, he wants them to, um, um, where, where was it? Oh, we must thrust up against religious traditions, not our own, um, to find peace with the world. This is actually somebody else speaking, um, but mm. she's speaking about, I'm sorry, he's speaking about this guy. Um, okay. uh, we try to find some common, uh, meeting ground where we can understand one another. Right. And this idea yeah. that, that, that looking at Joseph Smith and saying, you know, oh, you know, like, here, here was how God dealt with this man at this time, right? It's a little too ecumenical <laughs> for evangelicals. Okay. So, um, but anyways, so it's really um, kind of bizarre um, because he's he's really trying to to get his people to um, to kind of appreciate Mormon theology. But what's really interesting in this article, really? it's by it's by Peggy Fletcher Stack. Um, who we've talked about before. She writes for the Salt Lake Tribune. She's a religion writer. Right. Um, and this is, this is not a quote. This is just her writing here it says too often evangelicals pick up little taught LDS beliefs, such as humans becoming gods or having their own planets and put them at the, at the center of Mormon theology rather than at the periphery. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, miss, uh, Peggy Fletcher stack. um, I don't know. I grew up in this faith, and I want to say that those things are pretty central. Well, and even if they're not, like, frequently taught, or even if they're, you know, not focused on in church, they're still there. They're still doctrinal, I want to which means that you can make them as central as you want to make them. Well, and I want to say that they are taught very centrally. I mean, I remember the first lessons that uh, that I remember learning about the plan of salvation, right? When I was in right. in, 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 in primary, as a, just a little kid, and I remember like making this little little cutout paper flow chart thing so that I could I could understand <laughs> the, the you know the preexistence and then life on earth and then judgment and and then you know where we're going to go. And part of that discussion always is celestial kingdom, and that's where you can yeah. become a god and make your own planets. Right. Right. And that's always part yeah. of that discussion. That always, 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 always is. So, I mean, how can you say that 
a that a religion's conception of what happens to you after death is not central right you know and so it's one of the points of religion yeah i mean this is like this is like really 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 um apologetic stuff of mormonism (laughs) and i think peggy (laughs) fletcher stack should be called on it i think we should i think you or i should send her a little a little message a little something yeah okay um because i i think that I think this is, I think that's kind of a big deal. And I, I don't think that yeah. it should be downplayed. Um, I think it's wrong to downplay. Um, and, and to say that, oh, well, no, the really central things about Mormonism are that, you know, it's a Christian faith and that, you know, that they, that they preach having a personal relationship with God and blah, 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 right. blah, which is what they, which is what the, the main sort of marketing message of the church has been lately. Right. You know, well, oh, but of course that that's that's their that's going to be their line as they go out into the world and try and normalize Mormonism so that they can get a Mormon president in. Uh-huh. They're going to they're we're going to try and make this as normal as you can possibly be. But, but yeah, the fact when of it matter comes, is, when, yeah, these are these are your beliefs. Yeah, these this are is core. every bit as 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 meaningful a belief as as any of the other ones you cannot separate the plan of salvation which for our maybe our our listeners who don't have um a very 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 aren't terribly versed in mormonism plan of salvation is is what the mormons call sort of the the path that we follow through um pre-existence to earth life to afterlife it's the it's the whole thing it goes from creation all the way through uh, the, the, the second coming of Christ basically, right. All of that factors in and fits in, has a place in this plan. Um, and, and it was presented to us. It was, it's, you know, two thirds of the host of heaven recognized that it was a very good plan. (laughs) So I, you know, that that wins two out of three hosts of heaven agree. It's a good plan. (laughs) So, all right. If you do it right, you end up with your own planet. (laughs) <laughs> which is awesome yeah you're a god you get to be you get to be god of your own planet yeah. who doesn't want that yeah i mean i kind of don't i don't either seems like a hassle do you have to put like people on your planet can i just, <laughs> can i just get a planet and just chill there just make weird looking animals giraffe <laughs> that'd be fun well that's probably that's all god was up to on this planet until he decided to get to work, you know, with the yeah. dinosaurs and everything. He was just having fun. I, I just, I think I would do it differently than than Mormon God. I think I would, I would, cu- I would live on the planet with the people I create and just chill, just hang out. Yeah, just have a good time. Wow, look at you. I think that'd be more fun than hanging out in heaven. Do you get to create your own plan for each planet? I figure if I'm God, I got to do whatever the fuck I want. Hmm. I don't you? know. I don't know. I don't know how that works. We have to. We have to obey our our God's rules for us. I'm pretty when sure we do our own planet. It's the way that it's done, right. Dan. It's the way that it's done. That's the way that. Boo. That's how the universe works. That's. You tell Yahweh I'm an innovator. I can't be tied <laughs> down like that. <laughs> tell Elohim. Okay. All right. Get on it. All right. So. Uh, I don't want to go back to politics right now. That's All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do something sad. <gasps> oh, yeah, Dan, why? Because 
Be well, because it brings up a really important point, a really important question. Okay, let's hear it. I read, I read an article um, about two people out of Portland, Oregon. One Mr. Uh, Terry Daniel Sr. and Lisa Haynes. Okay. Who, uh, who um, 60, 60 years old and 55, respectively, who were living in Portland... And they were having a lot of trouble. Um, Haynes, she had epilepsy, which raged out of control. Uh, Daniel had uh, debilitating uh, problems due to a life of just of manual labor. Mm, okay. And they, their lives sucked. It's just, the long and the short of it is that their <laughs> okay. lives were awful. Okay. And, uh, and they decided to end them. Oh. So, they literally they um, they made a recording, and explained what was going on, why they were why they were making the choice that they were making, and then they got ready and killed them to kill themselves. Okay. So, so Mr. Daniel got a gun and shot her, oh, uh, and okay. killed her, and then he shot himself in the chest. Oh, and that's survived. not the way I would choose to do it. No, Ugh. but he lived. Oh no! Which means that oh no, he is now on the hook for murder. <sighs> so okay, yeah, that's what we got. All right, Apparently, well that sucks. Yeah, he wasn't. He's not insured. He, you know, he didn't have a good health care, so right. he couldn't get the care that he needed. Now, now, to add an interesting twist to this problem, Oregon, as a state, actually has a a law allowing for physician-assisted suicide. Yeah. But it's a very narrow law. So you mm. have to have, I think you have to have a life-threatening disease that's, like, gonna kill you in it, order to even Life be just can't considered. suck, and you're depressed, and all that. And you're ready to go. And you're ready to go. And you feel like you've lived long enough. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, well, that I means the question that's a, is... That's a Frank, moral dilemma. It really is a moral dilemma. And the question... So, that, so it brings up a couple questions. The first question is, if she wanted him to, and she asked him to, and he shot her, is he committing murder? Well, in the, in the eyes of the law, he is. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't agree with that. I don't... Personally, I, I, here's the deal: the the law is based in you know the the in the the mores of of the the majority of the people, you know, right? Yeah. And so, like, yeah. most of the people are have sort of this, you know. I mean, I don't know, I don't know, but the, the, if 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 you ask me, and I and I just sort of assess the situation, I say they were making a a, a decision that they were self determining. Their, their, the course right. that their life was going to take, right? Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that at all. No. Um, I, it's your damn life. It's, it's your damn life. I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I think that there's a difference also when you're, when you've lived for a while and you make that yeah. choice. I mean, obviously I wouldn't, I would feel a little differently if it was a teenager, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I do feel very different when it's a young person who commits suicide. 
Um, but this is yeah, these are older people. Don't know who, what the fuck they're doing? Yeah, these are older people. They don't have good. I mean, or, or their their health is failing. Um, they decide together too. You know, and I think that's different. They they had worked through it together. They'd figured yeah. it out together. And yeah. I kind of I, I wish that we lived in a society that would be able to respect that that choice. Yeah. Um, because personally, I don't think there's anything wrong again with 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 somebody who's sick and a bit older and has decided that, that they're just not, they're not willing to, to go any further, you know, you know what, but they're, they're, the they're in too much pain to, to go on. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with I you. Think there's, there's, and one of the other issues, and I think that this is equally important and this, this, maybe this is what we should be asking ourselves from this story, even greater than the question of, should we allow, people to take their own lives which i i agree with you i think people should be if you're you know past a certain age past adolescence you should be it's your life you should be allowed to make that choice for yourself if you want to but beyond that how shitty are we taking care of our old people (laughs) well it definitely highlights that yeah how bad are we doing what a what a terrible job we're doing as a society that these people and you know you look at the picture of them you can tell that they were having a rough time i think they lived in a in a trailer park and they just didn't have hey. any money my parents like, run a trailer park so i'm not don't, d- don't down on the... trailer parks i'm not dissing <laughs> on trailer that... parks i'm just saying it it bespeaks a lower income model oh sure yeah yeah and i'm just saying that like we failed these people. If they had had access to good health care, if they had had access to a lot of, uh, you know, to, to, to some of the things that they have, say, in this country that I'm sitting in, mm-hmm. where, you know, if, if I have a problem right now, if I have any problem right now, if my toe breaks, I just call somebody or, or I get in a taxi and not only will I get great care, they'll pay me for the taxi ride. They'll reimburse me. So, like, the fact that we're not taking care of our citizens, I think, is is a shameful, shameful reflection on what our society looks like right now. Yeah. And I'm off the soapbox. Okay. All right. Well, and I would I would also say, though, that, that you know, that there there's there's a thing, there's, there's this sort of thread that runs through religion and religious folk with, with their attitudes about life and ending your own mm. life and everything uh, of it being yeah. of it being about it's god's choice it's not your choice it's god's choice and i think that right. that's this isn't th- your life that we need to like if we can if we can just have that discussion of yeah no you're it's not your life that's interesting you know yeah. it's, it's it's not your life to 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 do anything with you know and I and, think it's and fine I think that that's a very for... different worldview, and that's that's something that that's that's a really powerful part of 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 a, of, an, of a non-theist life. Yeah, you know, is is well, that I recognition mean, that I I have this is my life, this is my time, and I get to to live it the way that that is going to be best for me. Um, exactly. and of course I have to live in a society. I have to like obey rules. Um, right. And, and, and I can't uh, go 
I can't go slashing up other people's bodies and right. tires and whatever. And obviously, but I can like, certainly do that to my thing, to my body. Uh-huh. But obviously, also, you know, I mean, it's not like suicide doesn't have a ripple effect; that it doesn't affect other people. But you're not right. hurting those other people. You're not going out. You're not. You're not stabbing them. You're not punching them. You're not stealing from them. You know, it does seem right. to be rather victimless, uh, even though there will be people who are affected by your loss. There will be people who are sad that you're no longer around, but that doesn't seem to be if enough of are. a reason. That doesn't seem to be enough of a reason. Even if, no. even if there were a hundred people who were dr- just, tr- just traumatized by your death, it doesn't matter. A million people. It's traumatized. still yours. It's still yours to do with it as you please. Um, right. That's not the kind of harm these- that I think we can, you know, protect people from as a society. Right. So, Honestly, if society is going to allow guys to play bagpipes in the streets, because which we do. Uh, the other day, I was walking. I was walking in, down by Trafalgar Square, and some dude was playing Havana Gila on the bag- bagpipes. Oh, hey, yeah, there you go. Uh-huh. He's affecting people, <laughs> and I'll tell you something: it's not necessarily a positive effect that he's having on people. Really? But we can't. Pe- but we. But we can't regulate. Are you not that. a fan of the the bagpipes, Dan? This is this is a surprising. Actually, fine. This this is a <laughs> very very. Of all the people I know, <laughs> I, I would have guessed that you would have been the person to appreciate that. I I actually really like. Yeah, of course he did. Of course he did. But there were there were other people who were probably annoyed. That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah. I'm I'm trying to create a metaphor here. Yeah. I mean, the bagpipe is a mildly annoying instrument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll come out strong against bagpipes for no reason. Yeah. You never know. Oh, yeah. With for me. sure. For sure. It's hard to tell. Well, anyway. um, speaking of uh, foreign countries, how's yeah. that for a segue? Um, <laughs> South Africa and Denmark um, uh, have both recently made moves to ensure that um, products that enter their country from um, Israeli settlements in the West bank are properly um, labeled as far as like that made in label. Um, Because a lot of these labels, these labels have been, have been going out and saying made in Israel. And uh, in in fact, that's Israeli occupied Palestine. Right. Yeah. And so it's not the case. Yeah. And so um, they, are, are you familiar with a product called soda stream, Dan? (laughs) <laughs> oh sure who isn't well i, Soda Stream. I think that's you the, are uh, you may not know what it's called but you're, i know you're familiar with it this is okay, make your own soda at home oh oh yeah soda stream okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm, I'm... uh they're labeled made in israel one of their large or a lot of them are because their 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 main uh manufacturing plant is in the west bank and they've oh been labeling God, everything really? as made in israel and now South Africa and Denmark are have just jumped on board to make sure that they are um, labeled um, made in the occupied Palestinian territory. Wow. Yeah. That's actually a really big deal. That's a huge deal. That's actually like just so just so that everybody's on on the same page here. I, I will. Exp- we should explain that like. I mean, I guess everybody knows the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. They are, they know what's happening. And if you don't, look it up. But, yeah. But the truth of the matter, you know, I saw a really interesting documentary that took place uh, 
in in Palestinian territory that was a that was about a a an Arab um who he was he was he was walking among the I, I it was all about the this whole conflict but these you got I got to say the these these occupiers these these settlements that mm-hmm. that the Israelis are are like just keep pushing further and further into Palestinian territory yeah they're assholes yeah they are just they are amazing dicks they will like they went and cut down an entire olive orchard once just to just to make sure that these Palestinian people didn't have a livelihood. Oh no! They, it's they, it's it, I mean that's par for the course. They yeah. Um, I was reading they, recently they about killed. a restaurant that got torn down. I mean, like like this was like a staple little restaurant. It's family owned. Um, yeah, and it's been torn down like three times now. Um, there's this one specific town, this old village that's been torn down like. 30 some odd times because oh. because they keep going back and they keep rebuilding a little bit and then they they come in with right. the the tractors and they knock it all down again because they want to do like a national forest or something instead of yeah. having a village there that people have lived in for you know who knows how long centuries so at least centuries yeah so ridiculous it's uh, no. it's re- i really you know i i have nothing against <clears throat> israel as a as a country but but the allow them allowing this encroachment with these settlements really disgusts me. Yeah. When you see the actual what's actually happening on the ground, mm-hmm. it's horrifying. Yeah, absolutely yeah. horrifying. I will not drink soda out of one of those things from a soda stream ever. Good, never. Good, Dan. never again. Good. And I hope they get labeled everywhere. You know, the, there's a- actually the labeling things really cool. Like, what a great. What a what a great way to make a political it's not not even making a statement it's like it's what an interesting way to apply political pressure oh, yeah. actually yeah 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 just saying really no cool. if it came from there we want people to know about it and then yeah. they can make their own choice they can they can sure. then make um a, a choice as an educated consumer if if they're if they're even concerned about where things are made um right. but if they are if they're that kind of person then they can they can look Oh, oh, this was made. Oh, how do I feel about that? You know? Right. Oh, but I I've really very, want to make some Coca-Cola at home. <laughs> All right. Then you can go ahead. You know, it's funny. I just realized that the one person that I know who has a soda stream in their home yeah. is Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean, Dan? I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing he's entirely clueless as to the origin of his soda stream f- machine, but oh, he's Jewish. He's Jewish. Wow. Yeah. Do I know this person? Yeah, I think so. Oh, wow. Interesting. Anyway. We'll have to apply some pressure. We'll move. Yes, exactly. We'll we'll, we'll shame him <laughs> later in private. <laughs> in private. <laughs> Uh, so uh here so i i'm gonna get back to uh to a little bit of politics again oh okay please um do. you've heard of this fella obama barack hussein obama oh yeah man. so why why are you bringing up his what? middle name dan it's his middle name and i'm just i'm just saying what i'm yeah. what's true what are you trying to say with his middle name <laughs> dan 
I'm I'm using coded language to 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 poison ears against him Who's by making him sound all Muslimy and stuff <laughs> and and terrorist is he does sound ter- more terror he's like he's probably like 85% more terroristy when you include his middle name <laughs> anyway uh, so he's been in trouble lately. You, so you remember the whole Sibelius story that I was telling you about? Mm-hmm. Because so the Catholic Church has been so pissy with them, so pissy about about all of the, about this whole mandate thing and all this stuff uh-huh. that uh, that he President Obama has been ha- has decided to hire a guy, uh, a faith outreach director. Uh-huh. Oh, for this campaign. Eh, okay, all right, interesting. Yeah. So, it is basically it's basically just, according to an inside an inside source who refused to speak on the record, uh-huh. it's basically because of persistent uh, opposition from Catholic groups. That is the main reason. Oh, it should just be his Catholic outreach coordinator then. I know. Well, ironically, he's not the guy that he tapped to do it. Michael Ware. Mm-hmm. It was raised Catholic, but now attends a non-denominational evangelical style church. Oh, that's probably yeah. Okay, he he knows the two main groups that he really needs to hit. Yeah, but if you're trying to if you're trying to get the Catholics on board with you, doesn't that piss him off? <laughs> you get somebody who used to be Catholic and then gave him the big old fu. <laughs> He's not going to be the one out doing the outreach. I mean, this this one man is not going to be going to every single Catholic in the country, you know. I'll, I'll bet he sits down with a bishop or two. Probably, yeah. That might. It's hard to do, by the way. Sitting down with a bishop is not necessarily easy. Well, their There's robes get in for, the way. Well, it was. I'm just. I'm trying to tease for later. No, I, I heard you, but I was trying to make a joke. <laughs> okay. So so okay, go ahead Frank, make your robe comment again. I'll laugh. I promise. <laughs> Shut up. God. <laughs> okay, so Dan, it's hard for priests to sit down, right? Because they wear robes. <laughs> uh so yeah. Now there's a our president has a Catholic has a faith vote coordinator. Faith vote coordinator. How does that sound? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe he'll start to sound more and more Republican. Ew. Yeah, probably not. Well, speaking of faith, how about yeah. non-faith, non-believers? Oh, I hate those guys. Uh, apparently, we're uh, we're flexing our political muscles. Oh, I know I am. Yeah? I've been working out. Your, your political muscles? You've been working out your political muscles? I've been muscles working thing? my political muscles. You know, when you go to the gym... And you get on the the machine that's the political muscle machine. Uh huh. I've been I've been working that thing. Yeah, yeah. You're you're looking politically ripped, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, anyways, try. Um, one of the um, apparently uh, one of the biggest areas for um, growth in political activism, um, well, concerning religion. Has been yeah. uh, from the non-religious. Oh, interesting, right? Yeah. Um, there's a new group. It's called the Secular Coalition for America. Um, yeah. Well, actually, it's not. I'm sorry. It's not a new group. I totally, totally. They have a new philo- They have a new strategy. They have a, a new approach Ooh, that they're taking. Strategy. Um, they um, 
they're actually going to go local. They, they've decided to install directors in 18 states to uh, take the message to, you know, to, to the local governments, to school boards, to city halls, to yeah. maybe some state legislature legislators um and they are um trying to uh to mobilize oh and they're also going to be trying to mobilize local um atheist agnostics secu- human secularists mm. whatever um on on, on this you ready of, huh i got a thing you ready okay frank and dan lobbyists <laughs> we should we you, should we should be their be outreach guys for utah you want to lobby I don't want to lobby. Yeah. I don't want to lobby. You don't? No. No. They probably wouldn't let us have a podcast either, Dan. Not this podcast. Oh. We could probably podcast, well, we can't. We, but it would be a very different podcast, I think. <laughs> um, but um, anyways, um, yeah, so it, it's it's really interesting because what, what, they've, what they've done is they've realized um, that most of the policy that actually affects us as, as atheists and non-believers in general... Um, typically it takes place on the, on the local level. It's usually a, a, a dipshit school board, right? Um, that, right. that makes some weird, you know, decision or, 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 or whatever, some idiot legislator that, you know, whatever it's the, the, the bad stuff doesn't come from Congress, um, as on, right. on sort of the, in, in this realm, <laughs> because plenty of bad comes from Congress, let's face it. Um, but what, what's interesting is that, um, there's um, sort of this, you know, the, the the article goes on and it's like, oh, you know, this is amazing and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, it takes that little turn for the worse at the end. Um, that and it's like, oh, some progress may be a long time coming, said Ellen Johnson, executive director of Enlighten the Vote and former president of American Atheists. It is hard to get atheists to agree on anything but their atheism, she said. We are mostly <laughs> we are mostly liberals. I'll grant you that. But once you veer off into anything besides church and state separation issues most most atheists will argue yeah yeah again i I mean again this is the whole thing of atheism is not a belief system right it's not it's not anything you know it's not any one thing but it's a lack of one thing here's the deal this this attitude though of like oh that's going to take a long time because we just can't agree on anything it's (laughs) it kind of actually reminded me of the sort of the state of the um, gay rights movement um, um. pre nineteen sixties when uh, when everybody when all the lesbian groups and all the gay groups decided you know what we ha- we because they historically didn't like each other <laughs> the lesbians right. didn't like the gay men and vice versa <laughs> and and because they had very different. You're- very different, you know, communities and agendas and yeah. things that they wanted, do, do, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to hear they what... they just weren't going to get in the same my, room. And they you want to hear gonna... what one of, my, one of my gay friends had to say? When, this is this is about five or seven years ago or something. And he just... He, he found out that one of our other mutual friends was coming out of the closet as a lesbian. And he admitted that he had kind of avoided lesbians in his life. And I said, why? And he said... I just look at them and I think, what are you wearing? <laughs> okay, thanks, Dan. Uh, no, but it, it was it was in the moments when, I mean, the, there were obviously a lot of historical things that were taking place that really, you know, all happened at the same time. But one of the big things right. was 
they kind of put their differences aside and said, you know what? There, there's these few, there's these couple common issues that we do have in common, right? There's, right. there's these, these, these couple issues that, that, that do tie us together. And if we just focus on that, we can go be our big lezzy selves and we can go be our big, you know, homo selves over here, gay selves over here. And, you know, we'll be fine. We and, can still have our own bars. We can still, da, 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 but we can, as a group, join forces. And because let's face it, it's a group that represents what? Maybe 10% of the population, depending on some, I mean, but right. out and active and all that. I mean, it's even a smaller percentage of the population. Non-believers, right. we're a bigger portion. We're a bigger part That's than that. That's true. And if we would just That's like true. set aside our, 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 some of our, our silly differences, okay, you want to go out and be stupid, you know, zombie Muhammad, you go girl, right? You go do yeah, that. Sure. Absolutely. You know, um, but what we really need to do is we really need to tie together, focus on, on just these church state separation issues that we can universally right. agree on. Um, and you know what? We can find common cause with a whole bunch of other people on a lot of these things. You know, we've got the an entire scientific community, which even if they're believers, they're going to want there to be they're 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 going to be you know against creationism in schools. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. We can find common cause with a whole lot of groups, right? If we if we work together well, right? And and reaching out so, is is obviously you know important part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but in this article, they had some really interesting things. I did not realize. Did you know that there's already an atheist member of Congress? What? Pete Stark, a Democrat from California, representative, House of Representatives. Of course it's California. Of course it is. Um, but there's Cecil Bothwell, a Democratic candidate for North Carolina's 11th congressional district is running as North open, Carolina. Uh huh. Open atheist. Uh, is he even right allowed now. to run for anything? I don't know. I actually think they do have a law on the books in, in one of the Carolinas that says, that, I mean, it's not constitutional, so it's not enforced, but there is a law that says you can't run for office if you are if you don't believe in God. Mm. Hmm. That's bizarre. Anyway. Uh, the National yeah. Atheist Party, established in March 2011, has okay. members in all 50 states, Dan. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to join that. Okay. Well, that party what well i'm i'm not i'm i'm not gonna be in any party i'm a i'm an independent oh dan <laughs> but but i will i will appreciate their lobby lobbying efforts uh-huh. oh good good and support them good you yeah. you, you you go you go girl <laughs> well thank you girl <laughs> all right dan let's uh let's take a quick break uh yeah. but before we do um, if you'd like to, you know, add your voice, join your voice to our conversation, uh, you can check us out on facebook.com slash TGI Atheist or follow our Twitter feed yeah. at TGI Atheist dot or no, there's no dot there. <laughs> Just Twitter <laughs> at TGI Atheist. I was getting carried away. Or you can, you can email us. You can write us at podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. And you'll notice that that's a domain. Thankgodimatheist.com. Check out our website. Yeah. Go on there. Have some fun. Yeah. Or leave us a voicemail, 424-666-8442. Going to take a quick break. Uh, should we set this up? So what you're about to hear is <clears throat> is a a sermon at the wedding of, I mean, I know we all watched it, 
but the mm, wedding of, of of Prince William and Kate Middleton. Mm-hmm. I I mean I think we all watched. I was were glued glued to my set. <laughs> but we'll just listen to a little bit of that service. All right, and then here. we'll explain why. Be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. So said St. Catherine of Siena, whose festival day it is today. Marriage is intended to be a way in which man and woman help each other to become what God meant each one to be, their deepest and their truest selves. Many people are fearful at the prospects for our world. But the message of the celebrations in this country and far beyond its shores is the right one. This is a joyful day. It is good that people in every continent are able to share in these celebrations, because this is, as every wedding day should be, a day of hope. In a sense, every wedding is a royal wedding with the bride and the groom as king and queen of creation, making a new life together so that life can flow through them into the future. William and Catherine, you have chosen to be married in the sight of a generous God who so loved the world that he gave himself to us. That's nice, Dan. Oh, that is nice. (laughs) That's just a marriage. Marriage is what brings us mm. together yeah. today. Um, so well. that that was the Bishop of London. Ooh, the Bishop of London Bishop. is the uh, what? Bishop Robert. Bishop Bishop Richard. Bishop. Oh, why does you? Oh, when you emailed me. The link oh, did I, you put Bishop oh, Robert I typed Robert, so it's okay. Reverend well, Richard. Richard Chatra, <laughs> the 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 Right Reverend and Right Honorable Richard John Carew Chatra. Mm. <laughs> wow, he's uh, so like yeah, it. he's the third in seniority in the Church of England after the Archbishops of Canterbury and York. Ooh, yeah, wow, and and the ordinary. Of the Church of England Diocese of London, he's ordinary. So, I, I, I guess so. I have no idea what that phrase means. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. But yeah, he's uh, he, and he's got that great, that great voice. Yeah, that great. Uh, they have a they have a, it's like a cadence, don't they? That is, it's, they do. Mm, 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 it just kind of, but, kind of lulls you his, along. His, his is kind of. Christopher Lee esque in timbre, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. it, he's got a very, he's got a great. I, I so the reason we're playing him okay. is because today I went to the St. Paul's Church, St. Paul's Cathedral, which is the big cathedral that that sort of a, a classical style cathedral in the middle of London, in in actual London. There's like. For those of you who don't know London uh, geography, London is actually, London itself, London proper, is a one-mile square. It's not big. Right. It's tiny. 
and uh, and St. Paul's Church is sort of one of the the main things in it. It's it's a very important church. It was, it's and it's gorgeous. By the way, it was it was it was designed by Christopher Wren back right after the uh, the fire Ooh. of London, oh. the Great Fire. Okay, back in uh, oh, whenever that was, I don't remember when that was. Anyway, um. So yeah, I went there and it's Pentecost today. I don't know if you knew that. Happy Pentecost, Frank. Fire. What? <laughs> You're going back to fire? Pentecost. Is that fiery? I think so. Well, mm. well, the way the way the bishop described it in his sermon today, it's it's the it's the celebration, the festival no less, of when um when God gave the uh, Holy Spirit to us. Mm, yeah. To us Rain little down mortals. like fire, right? Oh, okay. Sure. So fire. <laughs> anyway, uh yeah. Anyway, so so there we are at so there I am at St. Paul's. Um there because I'm too cheap to actually pay to go into a church. So you go on Sunday and then you get and you listen to the service and then you get to see the place for free. They charge you on the other days? Oh yeah. No way. Yeah, and it's hefty too. It's like fourteen pounds or something crazy what? like that. Yeah. Well, I think you get to go up, up to the the top spire. Who so it's cares? Like, I'm not going to pay to go deal. into a church. Yeah. Okay. So, so you anyway, chose you so, chose wisely. Yes, indeed. I went to this to the service. I'm I'm not going to do a full church review because it's just like any Catholic service, except that it was a sung Eucharist, which which is nice. They they actually sang the lovely choir. Okay. And they uh and and god the grandeur of this place. I can't overstate how grand this place is. Um including making it impossible for the congregants to actually sing a hymn together because there's so oh. much echoing that when that when the organ plays like people on one side hear it years before people on the other side hear it <laughs> and it's just like everything's <laughs> echoing around and you can't like everybody's trying to sing along with each other and nobody can get anything right sure yeah. anyway so this this but the but because it's pentecost the bishop presided over this service which wow. is rare okay you don't you usually you usually get the the Some local flunky. priest or whatever okay yeah so after the service i sat there and i listened to the organist play a nice bach piece oh that's and then nice. uh and then as i it was really nice, actually, yeah. and you know, and and plus, I knew that once the service was over, if I started, if I kept hanging out and looking around, then they would be all, then they would try to make me pay. So I just sat there listening and looking around, looking up at the ceiling, at the, I mean, the place is just outstanding. Anyway, <laughs> so as I'm walking out, out pops the bishop. No, and I went over and I congratulated him for uh, for a lovely service. Service. No way. And his sermon was his sermon was actually really nice. I I liked his sermon. He talked a little bit. He mentioned the uh, the horribleness that happened in um, Syria recently. Okay, and stuff. And he, it was just it was just a really really nice uh, service as they go. So I said, hey. Thanks for that. And he asked me where I was from, and I told him. And he asked me if Mitt Romney was from Utah. <laughs> I was like, No, but he is a Mormon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, we discussed that a little bit. And then, and then, I just I, I sacked up and I said, Hey, uh, I'm in town for X amount of time. Do you want, would would you let me interview you? Wow. And he said, 
Yeah. I told him I did a podcast. And the funny thing is I said I I do a podcast that, that does that's focuses on religion related themes. And then I was like, <laughs> Oh crap. I don't want to I don't want to mislead the guy. <laughs> yeah. So then I so, so then after he agreed, I was like, By the way, I should tell you, uh just it's the the podcast is an atheist podcast and stuff and he, uh-huh, was, yeah. he was fine with that he was actually so completely gracious about oh, everything that's cool okay so so he agreed so he he told me and and i you know i was i thought you know i'm here for three weeks let's find a time and he was like well if you can be at saint mary mary what, what is it oh now i've totally spaced what the church was Mary, before, Mary Alder, Al- Alder Mary, St. Mary, Alder Mary. There you go. Church. Okay. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I thought uh, that was funny. <laughs> it's a weird name. He had to say it to me like three times and then, and then spell it. Oh. He said, I'll be there at three 45 and we can, we can do an interview. Well, it turns out that he was conducting a sermon at, a, at that church wow. at four. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. So, so I had a little bit of time. 15 minutes. Yeah. Essentially. I I had 10 minutes essentially. Right. To uh to interview him. Uh for which That's I was great, though. completely unprepared. So, but I got an interview. Yeah, that's awesome. I- that's super. I awesome. That's a pretty good get right there. Yeah, that's great. So I I went in and um, unfortunately I didn't have time to even set up like my microphone and my, you know, my recording equipment so that it would sound good. I just had time to rush in and pull out my iPhone. Uh-huh. And and do a voice memo. Okay, right. <laughs> and so yeah. so I recorded him on the iPhone. Um, so we'll play that now for you. Okay. Uh, just in case in case you're confused, everybody, uh, between whose voice is whom, <laughs> mine is the one that sounds like a complete idiot. Oh no! Stammering and like like completely flustered, and his is the one. That sounds like an elder statesman of the universe, like mm. God himself, so comported, so lovely, oh, <laughs> with a British... Next time I interview a Brit, you need to remind me of this, Frank. First of all, I'm not a great inter- interviewer. As we learned l- when I interviewed <laughs> Jim Ta- Professor Tabry right. a while back, I'm not a great interviewer. Well, let's work I admit on that. this. Yeah, we should. Okay. We should work on that. Because you know what? But the other thing is... But the other thing is that uh, the next time I interview a Brit, I'm I'm doing a British accent just so that I don't sound like a crass American compared by comparison. <laughs> Whatever, because it's no, that's not. Oh, it. <laughs> You're like okay. Anyway, okay. Just so you know, I am going to conduct this interview. Once I start, it's going to be with a Brit with a British accent. Like yeah. they would think you, you're an I idiot. Just can't. Of course they would. But trust me, I sound like enough of an idiot, anyways. Okay. It, it wouldn't make it wouldn't have made me any more idiotic. All right, but let, let's, take, let's he, take But a what he has to say is lovely. So okay, here it is. Here we go. So, uh, I guess first of all, I I don't know what to call you. I know that you're the Bishop of London. Yes, Bishop Richard. And Bishop Bishop Richard is what you prefer to be called. Yes. Okay. Um, for Utah, because uh, my actual title is unusable, really, in Utah. <laughs> Which is what? My Lord Bishop. Ah. Indeed. So, I guess since I have so little time with you, and I and I'd like to avoid staying as surface as we can, I, I guess my my question for you is, 
and this, is, this would be what would most be on the minds of, of my listeners, what's important about how you liaise with the non-believing part of, of, of society? And, and, and where do you feel the intersections are, are between the, the believers and the non-believers now? I think that's a very important question. Here, of course, um, the situation in England is that the Church of England is not really a membership organization. We're not interested only in our gang and getting recruits to our gang. The classical idea is that if you're vicar of a parish, you're the vicar for everybody who lives there. I myself opened a mosque, of course, when I was uh, bishop in the East End in the poorest part of London, because um, the Muslims thought that, well, I, I was their bishop, really, and uh, on their side. So I hope that uh, that which is in our DNA is uh, our fundamental attitude. We are interested, obviously, um, in a society that is united in uh, pursuing the spiritual evolution of human beings and... Uh, there is a vast range of causes and uh, responsibilities with which um, we can share uh, an interest and common cause with uh, any number of citizens. So that's where we start with, with our unity there. And I think that um, especially with people in this very cosmopolitan city, because uh, London must be among the most cosmopolitan cities in the world, uh, relations with people of other faiths and people of goodwill, that uh, is a very major part of the job. And I have myself established um, a center in a church that was blown up by a terrorist bomb in Bishopsgate here in the city of London, St. Ethelberger's Church, which is explicitly uh, related to the search for reconciliation and peace and uh, is seen as a home for people of all faiths and people of goodwill who have no faith. The church seems to be losing uh, traditional parishioners. Do, do you mourn that? Well, I'm not a salesman for God, you see. Um, I think that um, religion is exposed to many, many dangers. And, of course, this is uh, obviously true from the history of all religious traditions, that what is so easy is for us to invent a god, to make a god in our own image, to project various unacknowledged parts of ourselves, at best our best thoughts and at worst some of the shadow side, some of the anger, to project that into the middle distance, to call that God and engage with, with that uh, projection of ourselves. And that's what all the prophets call idolatry, and it is extremely dangerous. And so one must be very alert to that and very alert to um, a sense that it all depends on my management and my salesmanship, um, uh, or otherwise the cause will go down. Uh, there are some very good reasons why people don't believe in the God who underwrote absolutist regimes in whose name the will of the one extinguished the will of the many. There are very good reasons why uh, that God uh, has become increasingly incredible in Europe. But I would say that in this country um, there is um, a... Um, turn of the tide uh, 
Um, we were perhaps, as a church, too much at home in Churchill's Britain. We were disoriented by the vast social revolution of the 1960s, but in this diocese, the church is growing, and I think it's growing in a very healthy way. Um, I, of course, go around like uh, one of our politicians uh, of yesteryear very famously said, I go around stirring up apathy wherever I can, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going around battering people over the head, but I'm just overwhelmed at the moment by the number of doors that stand open, the real perturbation uh, in a society which only the day before yesterday, 20 years ago, we sit here in 2012, and I remember 1992 because I was consecrated bishop in the poorest part of London in 1992, and almost at the same time, Francis Fukuyama, whom you'll remember, um, and I'm glad to say who still lives and dines a prosperous gentleman, he published a book um, suggesting that we were within sight, really, of building heaven on earth, without God, of course, but with the assistance of liberal democracy and market economics. And he wrote his great book, The End of History. Well, I think 20 years later, that looks less and less plausible. <laughs> history moves on. And uh, I think after a period when people began to quit um, a religious practice that uh, was underwritten by social approval um, and perhaps to lose faith in a God it's uh, really good to lose faith in, the God who underwrites absolutism and the will of the one against the will of the many, we are now in a situation where I think incumbency is very much... Um, very much belongs to the uh, Anglo-American elite who believed until comparatively recently that the story of God would only have one end. Mm. He would be sent to the margins, to the leisure sector, to be the harmless hobby, although, of course, I realize that in American context it isn't always so harmless, the harmless hobby of those who have antiquarian interests. That's not how it looks now. Because I think um, as the tectonic plate shift, as the prestige of Western ideas is challenged um, by the enormous uh, crisis through which we are passing and from which we have not yet emerged, I think that people's minds are open to other realities now in a way perhaps they haven't been for most of my ordained life. So I see this as a time of... Um, great, uh, well, from my point of view, um, great and dangerous opportunity because this century, and uh, I want really to think London, think Christian, rather than thinking my denomination and think the world, think spiritual, I think this is a century of enormous promise but enormous peril, uh, and uh, they are well-balanced. Uh, there are extraordinary forces at work that could tear our world to pieces. And so I simply look around for allies in a common struggle, and I find those allies very frequently among spiritually alert people who couldn't possibly subscribe to the faith um, which I represent and in which I believe. I'm going to ask you one more question, and it's, it's almost scary to ask this. What, what if there is no God? For you, what if there is no God? Well, all I can say is that um, it would um, falsify 
um, the energy that I experience. It would uh, falsify the, the glory, the beauty. And so I simply cannot imagine that in this world of such beauty and promise as well as such uh, frustration and such pain, uh, I cannot imagine a situation in which um, God was not real. That, of course, is not to say that um, I um, am in a position to um, second-guess the thoughts of God, still less to set myself up in the place of God, and I'll end with something which has always resonated with me, which is something the poet Rilke said. Rilke said about God this, you have such a quiet manner of existence that those who name you with a loud insistence show they've forgotten your proximity. Bishop, thank you so much. Great to see you, Dan. Great to see you. And um, happy travels. And, thank uh, you. Safe journey back to Utah. Wow, he's, he's a delight. Isn't he? Yeah. Well, that, that, that had to be a thrill, Dan. It was a... Uh... It was nerve-wracking. I was nervous. <laughs> I'll be honest. It was a, that's but a, it was a thrill. And he was so gracious. Just, I can't tell you how how gracious he was. If you want and by the way, mm-hmm. I will post pictures on the Facebook page um, of me with him. Oh, really? Yeah, please do. Yes. Yeah. Photo, uh, fo- photos that were taken on my iPhone by... A, a man who the bishop introduced to me as vicar of of what was it vicar of a church that has one of the most incredible names of all the churches or something like that and apparently it was it was something like uh the church of saint andrew in the wardrobe or something <laughs> like that and i really i i had to bite my tongue because all i really wanted to say was is that the same as in the closet oh, um they would probably thought that was funny probably not yeah maybe <laughs> probably not <laughs> I don't know. no actually you know what mm-hmm. after this the second service of theirs that i of his that i saw mm-hmm. which was the service immediately following this uh this interview which i stayed for oh cool it was it was a much more like hippie sort of service not in saint paul's but at this saint mary's right of mary of mary what did i call it i don't remember <laughs> anyway, so at this other church, and it was very, it was very Mary, Alder like, Mary, Alder Mary. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and it, the the service was all about like there were there were prayers that included you know you know in these troubled times of and I couldn't really hear a lot of it because there were kids sitting in front of me that were screaming and whatever. Sure. But something about in the times of you know <clears throat> with homosexuality and with with gender identity and. Clearly, this was a congregation based on accepting everybody, okay. and it was a really, it was very, very uh, open and loving and hippy dippy and stuff. Oh, cool! And and the bishop and the bishop seemed equally comfortable with that congregation as he did with the giant uh, cathedral group. Right. Huh. So there you go. It's a, it, just a great guy. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, you know, like I. He's he's so eloquent, and, he, and and I and I really appreciate sort of the the more you know when, when he says things like you know that because because I've always I've always considered sort of that idea of like because the Mormons do the same thing right of a bishop is the bishop for everyone 
in the in, a, mm. in an area um and so right. they're doing the same thing with their vicars and i've always thought it just incredibly presumptuous right <laughs> but yeah me too it's always it's always rubbed me a little weird but he 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 talks about it in a in kind of a really nice way you know in sort of this more ecumenical you know um universal um way where it's like oh well he's he's just he is for whatever reason and whatever he sees as his own authority he is interested in the spiritual development of of all the people in in a specific area and while i'm like well spiritual development you know i don't know if that's really what i'm looking for i I think that that does go back to sort of that idea of some of the things that we've been talking about of, of like you know, religion has figured out ways to speak about parts of the human existence, i.e. the soul, right? Right. It's given name right. to something that uh, a secular understanding of, of the world has a hard time putting a name to. Sure. Sure. Um, but, I mean, I think and, we have to acknowledge that it's there. That there's a... that there's. I mean, well, if you don't want to call it spirit... Yeah, and soul obviously is a little, a little loaded as well, you know. But, right. like, but like there, there's, there's a... there. I feel myself lifted up in, 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 sort, in, in sort of... When appreciating the, 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 the immense beauty of a thing, right? Right. Um, and, I, and I feel myself pushed into... Um, a, a realm not a realm but a, a, a state of mind that it that, that that's different than my normal state of mind yeah and so so anyway so but he talks to that and i think he he does a wonderful job of of, of speaking about that in a way that i didn't find <laughs> horribly offensive um right exactly but, but then he 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 does bring up something that i think is really interesting when he's talking about how he cannot conceive a world where there a world that is so beautiful without there being a god right right and i and i just i step back and i i just i can't conceive of a world that is as disjointed and is as a mess and is as beautiful as our world and there there being something supernatural behind it right i i can't conceive of a of a supreme being that would have or a creator that would have created this Exactly. You know, it's funny. I, had I more time with him, if I if I had been with him for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, an sure. hour, something like that, I think I would have called him on that. Yeah. I think I would have asked him about that. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't have any time. And, and I, I figured, you know what, he he's he's made he's this is where he's come to. And he was so gracious to, to even just answer the sure. question. I mean, so, but I mean, that's a good question. You, you know, yeah, but that, that that was a really good question um so to pose to somebody in that position so yeah well done dan cool um all right well if you'd like to um join our conversation of course we have a few ways you can do that yeah you know what start start this time start with the 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 voicemail okay leave us a voicemail 424-666-8442 yeah, that's that that that's TGIA at the end there. If you want to, if you don't want to remember <laughs> okay. numbers, or you can email us at podcast at thankgodimatheist dot com, and of course you can follow us on our Facebook, facebook dot com slash tgiatheist, or our Twitter feed at tgiatheist. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Have a good one.